anybody wants to walk, do it now. On the road again. Take it with me, Fat. I can't wait to get on the road again. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. All righty then. Hello, and welcome back. This is Storytime, and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories today. Today we're talking about one of the topics that I'm sure everybody loves talking about, exercise. <laughs> oh, don't we all just love to go out and exercise, especially when we're not athletes, especially in the dead of winter? Oh, God, I hate that. Oh, I know there's some people who love to exercise, and I actually love to exercise when I'm in the mood. I just find, as I've gotten older, I- I'm not such a big fan anymore. I'm getting tired. I've exercised for so many years, you get tired. You really do. But the point of the stories today are to tell you about why I got into exercise, about how important I really believe that it is, and about how it doesn't have to be something that's painful. It's really something you can enjoy. Now, you're probably saying, Gamer Dude, why are we talking about exercise? What kind of stories can you tell about exercise? Well, actually, I can tell stories about anything, but I can tell a lot of stories about exercise because it became something that's important to me at a young age. And as I've gotten older, I've realized how important it can be. So that's why I wanted to share stories about it. Now, if you've listened to other episodes of the podcast, you know that I grew up as a fat kid. I was very, very heavy as a kid, and uh, it was it was a difficult time for me, and I've, I've made that clear, and I do recommend that episode if you want to hear some of the backstory about what I went through. But one of the things that I discovered as the fat kid is you don't have to be the fat kid. And before we go any further, I know people have medical conditions. I know people have thyroid problems. I know there are a lot of reasons why people can't lose weight, and I'm not trying to say... My way is a be-all and end-all and just do what I do. I'm just telling you stories about what worked for me and what I went through and why exercise became important to me because it made a difference in my life. So that's why I wanted to tell stories about it. And as you recall, when I was talking about when I lost weight, it was just a simple act of running. When I cut back on food, now this is back when I was in high school. When I cut back on food, I combined that with running about a quarter of a mile every day. How do I know it was a quarter of a mile? Well, I didn't at the time, but when I learned to drive years later and I drove the length that I used to run, I discovered it was only a quarter of a mile. But what I did was run it. I would run it, not at a fast pace, but at a decent clip just to get my blood pumping and get my energy going. And that really helped me. But I didn't stay with it. I didn't do it consistently. I did it until I lost all of that weight that I lost between my sophomore and junior years. And then I kind of stopped doing it because running a quarter of a mile, it was, you know, it, 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 okay, it got in the way. I got tired of doing it. I lost the weight, blah, blah, blah. I didn't worry about it so much anymore. But then I discovered if you exercise even a little bit and then you stop, you start putting weight back on if you don't change your eating habits. Now, I wasn't eating the volumes that I had been, but I was eating a little more than I had been when I started losing the weight and I stopped doing my little quarter mile run. And so the weight started coming back on and I realized what I needed to do was keep exercising. But at the time I wasn't sure what to do because a quarter of a mile run, it seemed like 
You know, it's only 60 seconds to do a quarter of a mile, maybe a minute and a half at the pace that I was going. By the way, a quarter of a mile is only a lap around a track. You remember the track at your high school? That's a quarter of a mile. If it's a regular 400-meter track, that's a quarter of a mile. It doesn't take you long to do it. And I guess that's one of the misconceptions you have about exercise is exercise has to take long and it has to hurt. It doesn't. You can do some exercise at a reasonable pace and it works. And this is what I discovered. Now, you guys probably know, and if you don't know me yet, you will come to know that I research the crap out of everything. And this goes back to my early days, and it includes exercise. So back in my late teens and early 20s, when I was trying to decide what should I do for an exercise that I can do by myself, that I don't have to depend on anybody else for, that I don't have to pay a gym fee for, what should I do? And I came across a book called The Beginning Runner's Guide. I've looked for it in the years since then. I took it out of the library at the time because we didn't have Amazon at the time. We didn't have bookstores. There was no Barnes & Noble. There were a couple of local bookstores, but nothing really close. But we always had the library. By the way, as an aside, go to your public library. You can get everything there. It's awesome. You can use the computers there. You can get on the internet. Use your public library. Okay, back to the main topic. I went to the public library because they had a section on exercise. And I found this book called The Beginning Runner's Guide. And I started reading. And one of the things that it disabused me of was the notion that jogging was not real exercise. Back when I was growing up, there was a difference between running and jogging. Jogging was like, oh, you're not really exercising. You're not really running. Well, that's not really the case. Jogging is a slow-paced run. Running is defined as if you're moving forward and one foot is in the air, and one foot is on the ground, and you're alternating this, that's running, no matter how fast you go. If you walk, both feet are on the ground at the same time. Go ahead, take a walk. Just walk across the room and think about what your feet are doing. You have two feet on the ground at all times. But when you're running, one foot is on the ground, and one foot is in the air. You don't have to run fast to be running. You just have to be moving forward with one foot on the ground and one foot in the air. And that's what this book made clear to me. Even if you're running slowly, you're still running. And for some reason, that made a huge difference for me. They considered it running if you were doing it slowly. You don't have to call it jogging. Because people, back when I was growing up, people looked down on joggers. But if you were a runner, you were a legitimate exerciser. And so I made that transition in my mind. I was running. I was just doing it slowly. Now, also in this book was a little regimen. And it said you didn't have to run 20 miles to be a runner. You could run a mile to be a runner at a slow pace, and you were still a runner. So they recommended paces. They recommended styles. They recommended running shoes. They recommended a schedule. Do your running on a regular schedule. You don't have to do it every day. Just do it regularly. Do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, go for a run. So for some reason, this book legitimized running for me. Even slow running, but it was still running. And in the later chapters, it talked about building up to longer runs and how to do that and how to pace yourself. It didn't make me feel like I had to do anything except move forward. I didn't need a partner. I didn't have to sign up for races. I didn't have to do anything except to get out there and move. And this book cleared the path for me to become a runner. And so I invested some money in a good pair of running shoes. I had previously just tried to run in my basketball shoes or whatever cheap sneakers that I had. 
But I took one of my first paychecks and I went out and got a pair of good running shoes. At the time, Asics was a great name. New Balance was a great name. They specialized in running shoes. And those were a couple of the first pairs of shoes that I got to run in. It was, in my mind, an extravagant purchase to buy a pair of shoes just to go running in. What is this madness? But buying the shoes did two things for me. Number one, it made me, in my head, commit to the act of running as an exercise. I'm investing money in this. Okay, it wasn't a gym fee. But if I'm dropping 50 bucks on a pair of running shoes, which at the time was a king's ransom for me, but if I'm dropping 50 bucks on a pair of running shoes, I'm going to commit to it, and I'm not going to put them in the closet and let them sit there. I'm going to use them. And number two, the things that the shoes did for me is it gave my feet support that the other shoes didn't have. And you may say, well, that's stupid. What kind of support do you need? Well, you actually do need support if you're putting on any kind of mileage, if you're doing wear and tear on your body on a regular basis, you actually need good equipment for it. And a good pair of running shoes made the difference for me. It made it more comfortable to go out and do my slow-paced one-mile run. And so little by little, I got myself more and more into running. And I started small. I started with a one-mile run. I had it marked out. By this time, I was driving, so I had measured out various routes that I could run. A half mile here, a mile there, how far it was from my house to the end of the street and back. So I had that all marked out. I knew where the landmarks were. I knew where the half mile mark was. And one of the things that I also remembered as I was marking these routes out is where to take breaks because the book made it clear that you can run and you can slow down and you could even walk if you get tired. Just keep moving forward and try to finish running. There was no guilt associated with the act of slowing down. There was no guilt associated with the fact that you had to walk part of your route as long as you finished it. So I plotted out all my routes, I plotted out all my distances, and I realized even if I slowed down, as long as I finished it, I was doing what I was supposed to do. And what I did is I plotted out routes for different distances and uphills and downhills and some on roads and some through fields. I knew how to get from place to place in my own neighborhood. So I had lots of distances plotted out and paces and I always brought a watch with me and I would do a mile here or a mile and a half there. I knew from my house to the end of the road that we lived on, it was seven-tenths of a mile. So if I ran from the house all the way down the street and then all the way back, it would be almost a mile and a half. And that became a fairly regular route for me. And the mile and a half route, I would do at a slow pace. I'd do it in between eight and ten minutes. That was my basic route. And eight minutes sounds like a long time to do a mile and a half. And it is, but I'm not an Olympic runner. I mean, people talk about the four-minute mile. I've never run a four-minute mile in my life. I couldn't even come close to it. Yeah, I'm a stocky, six-foot-tall dude who's not going to be a runner. I'm not coming near a four-minute mile. But one of the things that I wanted to do was see how quickly I could do a mile. So that's one of the things that I worked into my, for lack of a better term, training regimen. Now, I didn't train for speed. I just trained to exercise. And trained is is a strong word for what I was doing. I was out there running at a leisurely pace most of the time, but sometimes I would put on the jets and see how quick I could go. And at one point, after a couple of years of running and getting myself in decent running shape, I did go to the high school where I, where I graduated and ran the track. And I timed myself to do a mile in 7 minutes and 30 seconds, which to me was not bad. And I'll tell you why. 
Number one, I never thought that I'd run a mile in under 10 minutes in my life. So doing a mile in seven minutes and 30 seconds, that was pretty good for me. But it also reminded me of an episode in gym class back when I was still in high school. I don't know if your gym classes were anything like mine, but we always had units on whatever sport it was at the time of year. In the fall, we always had the football unit. In the winter, we always had the basketball unit. In spring, we always had the track and field unit. And in the track and field unit, you had to do various things, long jump, high jump, and running. So I remember back in my sophomore year, everybody got paired off to do a lap around the track, 440 yards, 400 meters, one lap around the track, and you had to put in your best time. Now, back then, I was still heavy. I hadn't even started running yet. I knew I had to do the lap because everybody had to do the lap. And the gym teacher just paired people off randomly. Okay, you're going to run with Stan, and you're going to run with Joe, and you're going to run with Phil. He paired me off with Larry. Larry was on the track team. Larry was a sprinter. So I had to go up against Larry to do a lap around the track. Now think for a minute how sadistic this is of the gym teacher. I mean, think about that. You have the short, fat kid. You're putting him on the track against the sprinter, and you're going to time them together. How crushing do you think that was for me <laughs> to start to start a lap? And it, it was like the roadrunner took off next to me. Larry just left. I mean, he left me behind. It was like watching a bolt of lightning. And I remember his time, 56 seconds. He did a lap in 56 seconds. When he crossed the finish line after 56 seconds, I wasn't even at the halfway point of the lap. I wasn't. I was just, I had a good seat to watching him finish the lap. I was going as quick as I could, and I wasn't even halfway around the track yet. So that was always in the back of my head as I was doing my little running routes. I've never done one lap in 56 seconds. I'm just not built that way. But the fact that I did a mile in seven minutes and 30 seconds, to me, that was a victory. So I was happy to do that. The other thing that was a victory was the fact that I was able to coach myself to run distances. And I don't know why it became a thing for me to want to do, but I really wanted to see how far I could go as part of my training regimen. And so I looked up how to train to become a distance runner. I didn't want to become a marathoner. That's 26 miles. I don't think I've walked 26 miles in my life, let alone run it all in one day. And that's how long it would take me, a day. But I've known people to run 5Ks and 10Ks. And I thought, you know, maybe one day I'll do that. So let me train for that a little bit. So I started training, doing sprints, doing slow runs, doing long runs, taking a day here, taking a day there. I'd up my schedule. I would go from three days to four days some weeks. I didn't miss a day. No matter what my work schedule was, no matter what my school schedule was, I would always get my runs in which is what made me believe that I was a runner because I would always go out and get a run in. And eventually I coached myself up to be able to run six miles. And there was something about those six mile runs that I really enjoyed. You're out there on the road, you're running, running, you know, it's going to take you a while. So you pace yourself and you're kind of in a zone when you're out there running. Now, I'm not a guy who runs with music. At the time, I didn't have a Walkman or a Discman. I ran and I enjoyed just being out in the environment. I'd listen to the sound of the traffic or the wind or the, or the birds or, or whatever was around me, whatever route that I had planned out. But I would do my six-mile run about once a month. 
and I could do six miles in a little more than an hour. Again, not a blistering pace, but it was good. It was adequate. I got done with it. But it was something that I was pleased that I was able to do. I do remember the last time that I ran six miles, and there's a reason for it. I probably could go out and train up and get to six miles again, but this is one of those things that kind of sticks with you, and so it kind of turned me off doing the six miles anymore. I have my schedule. I like to do my runs on my schedule, and my scheduled run for six miles was on a very hot day in July, and when I say hot, I mean 90 plus hot and humid. So I had a couple of routes in mind, and of course I picked the one that was the shadiest and the coolest and the flattest so that I wouldn't overheat myself, overexert myself, because I was aware you can do that. So I ran very slowly and very carefully, not to wear myself out, not to dehydrate myself, not to make things worse for myself, but I had to get that six-mile run in. That's the way my mind works. I had to get my six-mile run in. And so I ran the six-mile route on this hot day in July. And the last mile, I was dragging. And I remember how bad I was dragging. It was bad. I didn't bring water with me. I probably should have. I didn't bring any refreshment at all. It was just me out there running with my hat on to keep the sweat out of my face, t-shirt and shorts. And I barely got through that last mile. And I dragged myself back to my apartment. And I collapsed on the floor. And I needed a shower to cool myself off. And I just kept drinking water. And I just felt miserable. Looking back, I should never have tried to do a six-mile run that day. It was just stupid. But I was young and stupid at the time. Now I'm just old and dumb. But then I was young and stupid. I had to get it done. I had to do it because it was the schedule. It was my schedule. I had to keep my schedule. And I just wore myself out so badly. I, I couldn't exercise for a week, which was crazy. I hadn't missed a week of exercise in like forever. I'd been running for years at this point, but I just wore myself out. And I think it scared me a little. Like, what if something had happened to me in the middle of the road out there? I mean, nowadays I could bring a cell phone with me and just hit the 911 button if I needed it. But back then there wasn't any option like that. So I think it scared me a little that I was way out in the boonies and something could have happened. And I just felt so bad at the end of the run. I just felt as physically drained as I've ever felt. So I decided I wasn't going to do any more six-mile runs after that. I kept running. I would do my two-mile runs, and I had my three-mile routes, and I kept running. Once I recovered, I went back to running. It was very important to me to keep on my schedule. And when I say keep on my schedule, I did. I kept on my schedule. No matter what my shift was, no matter what time of day it was, no matter what the weather was, I did my three days a week. And there were times I'd be running at 11 o'clock at night because I was working a late shift. So I'd get home, pull on my running shoes, get stretched out, and go run my two miles or my three miles that day. And I ran in the rain, I ran in the snow, I had snow gear, I had running shoes specially designed for snow. They were heavier duty, a little drier, I had special socks, I had special running tights. Yes, I had running tights, insulated running tights so I wouldn't freeze out there. I learned how to layer multiple hats, multiple head coverings, just so that you could stay warm while you're out there in zero degrees getting that run in. Yeah, that's how serious I was about running. One of the hardest things that I had to do was actually stop running. I haven't run for a while now because after 20 plus years of doing it, and yeah, that's how many years I did it, more than 20 years of running. After 20 plus years of doing it, my knees started acting up. And anybody who runs knows as you get older, 
you wear out your knees, you could get shin splints, you could get all kinds of things going on with your lower legs because that's all you use when you're running. You beat them up. And there came a time where after a run, my knees would be bothering me so much, I would have to skip a couple of days. And I just had to cut back on the amount that I was running. And at one point, it became just too painful to keep running. And it was kind of a sad thing for me because running had been such an important thing to me. It was one of those things, it was one of those touchstones in your life. I always do this. And when you have to stop doing that, it bothers you. So it bothered me when I had to stop running. I have replaced running with other exercises and I still do other things. But there was something about going out and running. Something about running up the street. Something about running through the fields. And yes, I literally did run through fields because I knew the fields around where I was living at the various places I've lived in my life. So I knew where the safe places were to run. If I didn't want to stay on the road, if I didn't want to stay on a sidewalk, I could go through the fields, I could go through the woods, I could go on trails. It was something that I could do anywhere. And when I was out there running, when it's just you and nature, it's a great way to clear your head. It's a great way to think about a problem that you're going over and over in your head. It's a great way to just find some peace within yourself. Even if you don't bring your problems with you, if you leave them at home, And you just go out and focus on your breathing and your steps and just getting through your route. I used running not only as an exercise, but as a release, as a time to think, as a way to escape, if only for 20 minutes. It was a really great, great thing for me. And the reason I wanted to tell you about it is whether it's running or rowing or using the elliptical or using a stair climber or going to the gym and working on a universal or whatever it is, find your thing to do because it's a great opportunity for you to focus on something that's important to you that's all about you if only for 20 minutes. Sure, it makes you physically healthy and yeah, it helps keep the weight off, but it's also a great mental health benefit too. Because you're focusing on something that is all about you just for a few minutes. And you can use that time as peaceful time, as problem-solving time, as escape time. It's just a huge benefit to have that time for yourself, even if it's only 20 minutes a day. So what I want you to take from this story is find your thing and use that for you. Because you're allowed to take care of you. Now, I mentioned that I did other things, too. Yeah, I did running a lot. I did a lot, a lot, a lot of running. But, and as I've mentioned in other episodes, I've done other sports as well. My favorite sport is basketball. But I've played softball. I've played football. I've played volleyball. I've played a lot of sports. The only other sport that I did regularly was basketball. Now, I have basketball stories that I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to save that for another episode. But I loved my basketball, and I loved my running. And those are the two things that I focused on for years and years and years, both to keep me in shape and just to have that thing that you want to do. Some people go hunting, some people golf. I would play basketball or I would go run. And boy, it made a huge difference in my life. So I can't recommend finding whatever your thing is and doing it enough. Your takeaway today, find your thing and do it. And on that note, That's going to do it for this episode of Storytime. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I can't thank you enough for all your support. It means the world to me that so many of you take the time to listen and spend time with me. I really do appreciate it. Until next time, you take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.